Hello and welcome to the World of Emotions and the Emotion Focus podcast, a series all about emotions, how they work for us, how seemingly sometimes they don't work for us and how we might better understand that and maybe do something about it. I'm Lou Cooper. I'm your host. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. And in this series, I'm joined from people around the globe who have dedicated a large part of their professional lives to the exploration of emotions. Everything you hear on this podcast is informed by emotion theory and emotion-focused therapy. And to kick off this series, we ask the fundamental question, what is an emotion? And most appropriately, I am joined by Dr. Leslie Greenberg, who is Distinguished Research Professor Emeritus at the Department of Psychology at York University in Toronto, Canada, and the primary developer of emotion-focused therapy, someone who has certainly spent an awful lot of time being curious about emotions. Thank you so much for joining me, Les. My pleasure. And... I might as well start with that question. What is an emotion? Well, it's not a simple question to answer, but most fundamentally, probably an emotion is an action tendency. It's a tendency to act in a certain way. It's something that we feel in our bodies. So like fear organizes us to run away Anger organizes us to puff up and thrust forward. So an emotion is an action tendency, but also an emotion is our primary meaning system. It really gives us information. So emotion is meaning and action. So it tells us what to do, and it tells us what that is about, why we're doing that? Yes, I think that's a good way of saying it. It orients us to the world, so it doesn't actually make us behave, but it gives us an orientation which we then have to work with. And so if someone knocks at my door in the middle of the night, if I go to the door, I'm cautious, so I'm oriented with fear. My cat runs away. I think I'd run away too. <laughs> goes straight to the behavior. But I approach it with caution, and then I bring thinking on board to analyze the situation. But my emotion gives me my gut response, and it orients me towards, is this dangerous? So it's giving me a sort of global meaning, which I then have to work with to get more specific. So when you say it's a gut response, it comes before the thought? Absolutely. And I mean, this is the most important thing because there's been such a strong idea that thought produces emotion. I mean, thought can produce emotion, but it's not the way that emotion is primarily uh, produced in a complex life. I mean, the feelings we have about our partners, about our children, about our advancements in life, about bad things that happen to us, don't come first with thought. They come with a gut response immediately. So emotions 
are the fundamental data of existence. I feel, therefore I am, not I think, therefore I am. So we have these emotions. They give us a lot of vitality. I mean, without emotions, we would life would be dull, it would be boring, we wouldn't actually survive. So emotions develop in order to help us survive. And they give us information about how to react to situations. They're also very rapid reactions, so they are actually giving us information about how we've reacted. So if my partner's left eyebrow raises and she raises her voice, if I don't read that, I automatically, my emotional brain reads that, reacts with the sense of fear or threat, and if I don't read that, I'm in danger. So it's a very important source of information. <laughs> well, it keeps your relationship going. Right. So that's the other important part of emotion. It's also a primary communication system. So the infant's cry organizes the caretaker before there are ever words or thoughts. So we communicate emotionally, and they're the most significant communications. We also share emotions, and that helps us feel close. We understand others' emotions. That helps us feel connected to them. So emotions really are fundamental to both living a vital life and to relationships. You refer to the infant. Are we born with emotions? Do we all have the same emotional capacity at birth? As a generalization, yes. I mean, there are biological differences. Some children are more sensitive and more reactive. But basically, infants come into the world with innate emotion system. They come into the world with the capacity to be angry, sad, afraid, scared. We don't teach children how to be afraid or how to be angry. It's innate. But what they become angry and afraid of is developed from what happens to them in life, from their experience. But emotions are basically innate. And feeling is the sort of major life balancing system. Our feelings are always telling us how things are going. It starts off with just feelings of thirst and hunger and feelings of comfort, but emotions are always helping us balance our whole system. And so it's always giving us information, does this feel good or does this feel bad? Emotions are about, is this good for me or is it bad for me? Thinking is about, is it true or false? But we needed emotion. Emotions helped us to survive by telling us, this is good for me or this is bad for me. So they're as important as being hungry or thirsty. Absolutely. And the more socially complex our lives are, the more our feelings help us survive in a complex social environment. So, Les, when we feel an emotion, actually what's, what happens in, in our body? What is the physiological explanation of an emotion? How, would we, how do we describe it? Well, 
I mean, emotion is a brain phenomenon. The brain sends out messages to our body. It sends out neurochemicals and so on. I mean, nobody knows exactly how feelings work because they're not specific locations in our brain. There's not an anger circuit somewhere in the brain and a sadness circuit because they're complex networks of many connections across many parts of the brain. But definitely the brain sends very rapidly signals to the body. It sends neurochemicals into the bloodstream, and those organize our body in particular ways. And then we have a place or an experience in our body we can refer to. So emotions are carrying on in the body. And there's a feeling in the body. And we can either pay attention to that or not pay attention to it. So the brain is doing this out of awareness. Absolutely. So we live the majority of our life actually unconsciously. Most of the times we aren't intentionally doing something. Our brain is just guiding us. It's been shown when we make a decision, the brain made the decision or the evaluation like 40 or 50 milliseconds before we actually consciously know we're going to choose to take that. So when I pick up a glass to drink for my dry throat, I'm not actually thinking it. It's not sort of, oh, I must pick up my glass and drink. I just do it. So it's a primitive reaction. I mean, I'm thinking about a, a dog, you know, when a dog senses danger and it's, you know, the fur on its back stands up. We're a bit like that, aren't we? Absolutely. And that's a nice example. We're like that, except maybe not as visibly so. So these signals are um, not loud. So we really have to be have a discipline to pay attention to how we feel. But yeah, we're getting signals like that all the time. We tense our muscles, our mouth goes dry, we can even faint. And that all happens because of our innate emotional response to to the environment. Yeah, it's been shown that there's a also a face-to-heart connection. So your face influences my heart. And this all occurs at a level we can call unconscious or subception. I'm not consciously aware of it, but my brain is constantly reading people's faces and their um, voice tone. And basically it's reading it for is it safe or is it not safe? That evaluation, unconsciously or out of awareness, goes to the place in my brain that regulates my heart rate, my perspiration rate, and other neurochemical processes. So if your face looks dangerous or disapproving, immediately my heart rate increases, I tense up, without even having had a thought. So as you talk about so much happening out of our awareness, how 
how much do we need to know about our emotions? How much in touch with our emotions do we need to be in order to be healthy? Because there's a lot going on and we don't need to know all of it, I'm guessing, but we need to know some of it. Um, it's an interesting question because my first response would be the more we know, the better oriented we are in the world because it's happening to us already. But this doesn't mean a neurotic over-concern about every little feeling that I'm having. But I think the more we're aware, the better oriented we are. When you say oriented... So my fear orients me to approach with caution or to withdraw or run away. So I need to be aware that... I'm in danger, which my emotional brain is signaling to me. That's what I mean by orientation. Mm -hmm. It relates to the actions that I am being, my body is preparing me to run away. Then I have to analyze the situation. Is it dangerous? But I'm already ready to run away. And of course, this is referred to always as having gut feelings about things or having a sense of things. We really do have a sense of things before we actually know what's happening. So it's difficult. I mean, we're all having this all the time. We're all having emotions all the time, but they're kind of difficult to quantify, which in, in research would make that pretty difficult, I imagine. Yes, they are difficult to quantify. The first quantification or categorization came from seeing that people's faces were cross-culturally the same. So my expression of disgust and a Borneo tribesman's expression of disgust is the same thing. So this sort of established that there were universal kinds of emotions. But yeah, emotions aren't easily measurable. But then I have made the distinction that we can't just talk about emotions. We've got to talk about primary emotions, which are the very first feelings we feel in response to a situation. And then secondary emotions, which are emotions which come second, often in reaction to the first emotion. So often when people feel hurt or feel afraid or vulnerable, they get angry. So the anger is actually a secondary emotion. It's not your first real gut feeling. It's a reaction to it. And then also emotions can be expressed or used, what I've called instrumental emotions, where you use an emotion, you cry crocodile tears in order to get sympathy. You've learned to use emotion to essentially manipulate or get what you want. So we can't really just talk about emotion. It gets much more complex. Primary adaptive emotions are good for you and give you information. But then there can also be secondary emotions, which kind of obscure what's really going on. They confuse you and others. And then when you've had past trauma, past difficulty with neglect and abandonment or abuse, you develop 
some very strong emotions and emotional memories that are not healthy and are no longer good for you. So when you react to your boss's voice when he's slightly annoyed and you see your heart starts racing and you start sweating, this is really a reaction to your physically abusive alcoholic father from the past. So you can have emotions from the past in the present and they're no longer adaptive or giving you good information. And in therapy, those are the emotions you want to help people work on, but you first have to get to them in order to help them to change. So something that something that is, is there to help survival becomes almost a threat to our survival, as you describe that. Yes, 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 or at least they become no longer functional, so they're no longer good for us. And then people are very afraid of their emotions because emotions come to us, you know, like you said before, so a majority of things are happening out of awareness. So you may go to a parent's grave and intend to not weep, but you just find yourself weeping. The emotion, the Grief comes unbidden. It happens to us. So emotions were originally called passions in English. And passions means to suffer, to be a patient, to not be an agent, that it happens to us. So certain maladaptive primary emotions just get activated automatically and we're not in control, and so we try to not feel because these feelings are not under our control. But it's not the best way of handling painful feelings. Rather, you need to approach them, embrace them, accept them, understand what, what they're saying and where they've come from, and try to eventually deal with these emotions. As you describe emotions as powerful and bringing in the word passion, that emotions are passion, and passion we see as, certainly see as powerful, you know, it kind of uh, begs the question, how come we, we don't know more about it? We're very much, we go to school to be taught how to think. We don't necessarily uh, get instruction, well, probably don't get instruction on how to feel, but it seems that the world might be very different if we did. What do you think of that proposition, Les? Yeah. I mean, a not tongue-in-cheek question is I think it's because men controlled academic and philosophical debate, and men are far less accepting of environment, their emotions, they need to be in control more. Women, both because of their cycles and maybe some aspect of their actual biology, are more open to the rhythms of life. And I think men have tried to control and have relegated emotion to the irrational. Now, that's changed in the last... 30 years or so, 
where people are beginning to recognize that emotions are actually a resource, and we talk about emotional intelligence. But so I think there is some aspect of this that it's men's fault. <laughs> Another is that universally, emotions can be disruptive. So people have tried to stay away from them, and emotions were initially seen as irrational. So we saw them as secondary phenomena, as epiphenomena, and then we worked on the thing that we thought was producing the emotion rather than seeing that emotion is the fundamental thing. And now they are beginning programs of emotion education in schools. But I think it's because emotions are so 95% generated out of our own control or automatically that they've just been frightening to people. Les, you have opened up many areas for debate and I think there needs to be a podcast all about emotions. And here it is. So thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Dr. Leslie Greenberg is Distinguished Research Professor Emeritus at York University in Toronto and the primary developer of emotion-focused therapy. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to find more about this podcast and more episodes, go to our website, emotionfocused.com.